Welcome to the Bridge to Branches podcast. You and your entirety are welcome here, no matter who you are, where you're from, or what you've been through. On the Bridge to Branches podcast, we believe every mental health experience is valid and has power. If you are tending to your mental health, you are smart and brave. If life is a tree, mental health is the bridge from the roots to the branches, connecting where we've been and what we've been through to its impact on the world, spanning outwards. Mental health is the bridge to your destiny in this world. Join us in talking about it. Content warning for this episode. In this episode, we discuss schizophrenia and all of its facets, including breakdowns and psychosis. Hi everyone, Alex here. I hope you're doing well. Today on the episode, we have with us Jacob Reed, who is confronting the Western cultural perception of schizophrenia, what he considers a natural psycho-spiritual development process that we mistake for a brain disease. Jacob is the founder of Sacredphrenia, an organization that is empowering so-called schizophrenics and what he calls mental health misfits through holistic health education. After transmuting his own condition using holistic modalities, Jacob is convinced that one of the biggest reasons our society is struggling is because we are failing to initiate folks who are potential shamans and visionaries, instead choosing to deaden their gifts through conventional methods right at the core of their awakenings. That's where Jacob comes in, helping these sensitive souls access their wisdom so they can contribute to planetary healing. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoy episode three. Can I ask your preferred pronouns before we really get started in the interview? Um, yeah, that would be he, him. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, Jacob, where did your mental health journey sort of begin? Yeah, thanks for asking. So I really have, you know, had an interest in mental well-being for a very long time, ever since I was... I would say an early teenager, I started becoming interested in some of these topics, but um, I became especially interested when I suffered a complete psychological breakdown at the age of of 19, a complete uh, horrific mental breakdown. Uh, My entire, you know, reality just was split into a number of pieces and I, I was diagnosed with um, paranoid schizophrenia, that was the official diagnosis, um, really just went through hell. Uh, I, I'd become involved with a an, an online cult that was disseminating some really toxic information, and uh, it was just too much for me. I, I didn't know how to you know, discern truth from fiction at that time. I hadn't spent much time um, developing like a really robust you know, belief system. Um, I was just learning about spirituality and, and got in over my head a little too quickly. And um, so it really uh, resulted in, yeah, just a, a complete uh, mental breakdown. And um, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know how to begin, you know, um, treating it or, or even approaching it. I didn't even know what it was at first. I mean, I think I was maybe a little bit different than many people in that I sensed there was a spiritual component to it. So I kind of rejected the, the diagnosis from, from the very beginning. And of course, oftentimes when people reject a diagnosis like that, um, they're told that that's a symptom of their, of their own illness. 
Um, and, and of course, it, it is wise in, in many cases to seek, you know, assistance, to seek help, uh, whether it's medical help or, or help from a shaman or, or, or someone alternative. Um, I mean, some, some help definitely needs to be sought. Um, totally. But I was just sort of like trying to navigate the, the Western health system and stay true to my own, you know, my own intuition, which was telling me that, that there was something more happening. There was something deeper occurring um, that this mm. wasn't just like a, a, a mental disorder. This was uh, a multifaceted experience. And, and in some ways it was an opportunity. I saw that it was kind of like providing this edge against which I was able to grow and I was able to, to learn more about myself, really more about myself than I could learn any other way. Because when you suffer that kind of, of psychological death, you know, it forces you to, to kind of rebuild yourself and to, um, start with like first principles. Like you, you have to, um, determine what is true on a foundational level. Um, so what you end up building becomes more robust and, and more, more, um, purpose filled and more, um, living, I think. Yeah. So definitely. It's almost like a little bit of a rebirth and I can relate so much to what you're saying, um, in terms of kind of a, almost a spiritual crisis is what I would call my own experience. Um, Mm. and when I hear about yours, I don't want to, you know, put a name to yours because that's personal Mm -hmm. to you. But to me, Mm -hmm. like I experienced what was a spiritual crisis and, hearing yours described is like kind of what mine was like a shattering of like everything I knew to believe or everything I believed mm-hmm. to be true. Everything I knew was, that was real and mm-hmm. um, a psychotic break um, is to me kind of a break with like three dimensional real time reality. Um, mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's kind of a little bit maybe of what it, you experienced. And I'm curious like how your break mm-hmm. actually showed up like, what actually happened, if you don't mind sharing. Sure. Yeah, no, I can get into the details. And I, I definitely resonate with what you're saying and relate with what you're saying. You know, yeah, psychosis would be accurate, you know, in that um, I I suffered a, a complete um, disruption of my reality and didn't know what was real, wasn't able to trust the the basic rendition of reality that I'd been given for for so many years, and uh, it was really horrifying. Um, I mean, my main symptoms that really plagued me were um, just extreme, agonizing, like tormenting paranoia that just was like eating away at me with every thought that I had, every thought I had would just produce this deep adrenaline response. It was like somebody was holding a gun to my head. Um, and I'd never experienced that state of consciousness prior to that, that split that I had. I don't think most people do experience that, that kind of state of consciousness unless maybe they, they suffer an extreme trauma. It was like being in trauma for, for months and years on end. I mean, every day was like, um, you know, it was like, I I was just being completely, my ego was being demolished. I was, I was just, you know, clutching my stomach, you know, bent over and, um, trying to, trying to stop the thoughts that were, um, destroying me yeah my thoughts were were deadly and yeah. um I yeah so. the paranoia piece quite a bit mm. I definitely hear you on that um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah to like the the extent of not knowing what to do where to go how to deal with it like how what mm-hmm. to believe is true everything feels true that's coming to your mind mm-hmm. um yeah I totally I can relate to that mm-hmm. for sure it sounds hellish yeah. What's hellish for me? And it sounds like what you're describing is quite hellish for you. Absolutely. Yeah. You and I both went to the, the 
fifth or sixth layer of hell, you know, in our experiences. And it's, I, I take it that you, you were able to close, uh, slowly climb, climb out yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I have climbed out, um, in the last, like actual, actually in the last year, um, it's been a really profound 2019 was extremely profound for me, a really powerful year. Um, I spent some time in psychiatric hospitals and that kind of takes me to my next question for you. Mm-hmm. But, um, I'm curious, um, I mean, they did help me, but I'm curious about your, well, how you relate to the term mental illness and also how you relate to psychiatric hospitals. If you've ever been in one, I don't know if you have mm-hmm. or not. Right. Um, but yeah, mental illness yeah. is like as a term, I'm curious how you feel about that term. Yeah. I feel that it doesn't do justice to the enormity of what it is that most people are experiencing. I mean, of course there is a mental component in these, these extreme states that people experience, but there is a spiritual component as we discussed. Um, there's, well, there, there really are a number of, of different components taking place. I mean, I, I call it the bio psycho spiritual no, excuse me, the biopsychosocial spiritual equations. So, yeah. you know, there are all these different uh, facets that are occurring at the same time. And I, I, I think that we, we limit ourselves when we, we think of um, these, you know, these extreme states as, as just being entirely mental. Um, I think that that tends to uh, prevent us from looking at some of the deeper um, root causes that that oftentimes um, have more metaphysical aspects. You know, like there's oftentimes ancestral trauma, and um, there's you know spiritual. Um, there are spiritual blockages and energetic blockages, and um, it's not purely cognitive. It's it's not something that we can purely address by attending like talk therapy or, or taking, you know, um, psychiatric drugs or, or approaching this, approaching these difficulties in a, a conventional Western sort of way. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I, I, and I think that's part of the reason that I've been able to climb out of my deep, um, States of suffering, whereas most people who who um, have have gone to those kinds of places don't don't tend to make it out in one piece. Um, and so, yeah, to to then address your question about the psychiatric hospitals, I I was able to avoid entering a psychiatric hospital um, because I sensed that it would lead me down a path that might that might not be favorable. Like it might, it might end in, it might not end well. It might end in me, you know, um, being unable to leave the system. Um, so I did have that intuition telling me, even though I was in emergency and, um, maybe if I had different parents, you know, I, I would have been forced to go into a psychiatric hospital. Um, but, you know, I was for the most part able to just ride it out, even though it took years, you know, I, I mostly just, um, kind of, kind of treated my, my home or my, my parents' house as a sort of psychiatric hospital. I mean, God bless both of them. They, they definitely went through hell with me and, and I will never be able to fully repay them for that, you know, cause they, they, there were times when I was, you know, like screaming and just wailing and, and very unstable. And, um, fortunately they are a little bit holistic in their understanding of things. So it's not like they wanted me to, to, you know, get all drugged up, you know, themselves. Um, although they, they did at times, you know, ask me if I would consider that, that approach, but I chose to go the more alternative route. Yeah. So you've avoided medications like, um, psychiatric kind of Western, um, those types of medications altogether. 
Yeah, amazingly. Wow. Actually, I had a very negative experience with an antidepressant um, a couple of years before my, my full breakdown. And it was just uh, the side effects were so terrible from just a few days of taking that antidepressant that I vowed I would never take a medication again. And I, I figured that the side effects would be even worse with those psychiatric ones, the, you know, the antipsychotic ones. Yeah, and, yeah. And, um, because I'm, I'm rather sensitive, like chemically, I kind of always have been. So, um, that's kind of a blessing, I guess, that it, it forced me to go a more natural route. So no, I didn't take any through my 10 years. I haven't taken any other than one little, uh, antihistamine, which helps me like have a less, um, inflammatory reaction to food. And I, I still take that a little bit of that. Um, but that's the only, it's a very non-toxic um, light, you know, medication, but that's the only one that I've taken. That's, you know, quite the testament to the fact that um, moving through psychiatric issues or psychosomatic issues, you know, however the case may be, um, the problems and the, the experiences that are experienced by so many of us, like, that you can move through them without psychiatric meds it can be done it doesn't work for Mm -hmm. everyone I know for me Mm -hmm. I was at one point um, in a hospital and I was put on like seven different meds and Mm -hmm. it increased my paranoia like intensely like tenfold Mm -hmm. I mean everybody has a different journey right everybody has a completely different path they take so absolutely and and I'm not for a second suggesting that anyone necessarily go the same route I did I mean I was able to because I had the right resources. I had loving parents and I had uh, some knowledge regarding, you know, alternative health. Like right away, I was able to begin researching that. And I realized that not all people are in that position. And and if they're in an emergency and a psychiatric medication is the only way to stabilize them so they don't harm themselves or someone else, then of course that, that makes sense. And, and like, I wouldn't tell anyone to, I don't tell anyone to, to get off unless, they're telling them to, and they're working with a doctor, you know? Uh, I mean, like one day I really hope that we have the systems in place so that people don't have to take medications as it's really clear that they can complicate, you know, the healing process. In a lot of cases, they can actually make recovery more difficult in many cases because they change the structures of the brain and, um, you know, cause a person to, to be reliant on them. Yeah. Yeah, it does need to be, I was going to say, it needs, in that vein, it needs to be the right medication, you know, for the for a certain person. And I've had mm-hmm. plenty of medications, like the ones I, I didn't mention specifically which meds I was on, but after that first hospital um, this past year in 2019, um, I was put on multiple medications that were not right for me and exacerbated my symptoms and so on and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... It, it, completely like previous to all of this I mean I've always been a very healthy person I've always been very mindful of holistic matters and um I've eaten well in terms of like eating for my body for um what I need for what my constitution is and it's it's kind of like that's the other thing is with with mental illness mental health crises mental health issues all these things they can kind of like creep up on anyone you know and it's like the way that it can affect a person can just be out of seemingly nowhere. Um, like I never would have thought that I would have become what it was diagnosed as bipolar, but my symptoms being like intense paranoia. Like if you had met me at, you know, 23, like um, just living the life that I was and post-college and, going to music festivals and it's just like I had like a very like typical life throughout like my early 20s and it's you know and it's just the way that things can kind of creep up on someone or it's it's not even creepy enough why do you think there's so much stigma around mental illness because from what I'm describing about my situation it's like this is something that just came up upon me and it's I also see it as something that is looked kind of down upon in society and people really struggle with it and um, judge it and all of this, all of this kind of thing. And, 
Yeah, so why do you think that there is so much stigma? Yeah, well, I mean, I really believe that the powers that be have been culturally conditioning us to be afraid of the extreme ends of, of the consciousness spectrum because they're aware that that if we master those those extremes, if we master those ends, you know, we may be able to um, transform. We may be able to to actually reach higher states of consciousness. Um, I mean, I look at these quote unquote illnesses as being actual psycho spiritual development processes, meaning that um, so many of them are actually uh, intending to lead us to higher places, um, but we don't look at that we don't look at them in that that way in the society, so we end up nipping them in the bud, you know, approaching them in, in this conventional medical sort of way. Um, pathologizing them and demonizing them and, and and so in order to enforce that that like paradigm you know the the masses have to you know look down upon these these processes and, and view them as taboo and view them as as um, you know wrong in, in some way and so like I really think it is this and it took me some time to develop this belief, you know, but I'm seeing it more and more, especially the, the, um, the healthier I get and the higher I, the higher stages or the higher altitudes I reach, uh, from like this, you know, this launching that was initiated by my, my breakdown. I mean, I'm still, I'm still healing and I'm still like, being just propelled up into the, the, you know, the higher altitudes. Um, so it's like, so no, I think, I think if we lived in a, uh, an ancient, you know, traditional society, we would, we would be looking at these processes entirely differently. We would actually be honoring the people who undergo these breakdowns and recognizing that, you know, there's, there's a, higher form of consciousness that's trying to be born that, that, that is like rejecting the, the status quo. I mean, of course, you know, with, with the world, the way it is right now, of course, people are experiencing breakdowns. I mean, I'm more, I'm more concerned about the people who aren't experiencing breakdowns. Like I, I'm more and more looking at them as being the, the ones who are crazy for accepting things as they are. Um, right. Like, I, I, like it's a they get to dictate what normal is. Like that's pretty, that's pretty mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah, that whole dichotomy between normal and abnormal is just breaking down for me. And it sounds like, like it's happening for you too, which is so, right. so, so needed. Totally. And I was going to mention in terms of um, your comments about, um, you know, who's, who's experiencing, um, breakdowns in society that and like looking being looked down upon that um, by separating us we're easier to control is my point mm-hmm. um, so by that's kind of where what my answer would have been to that question too to like compliment yours um, mm-hmm. just that like mm-hmm. we are easier to control if we don't if we are if we think that the, we are othering one another you know Mhm. Right. Divide and conquer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. I guess I, I'm curious, um, kind of what what tools you specifically use mm-hmm. to heal, to begin to heal. Like, what what practices mm-hmm. did you employ? Yeah. So looking back on my journey, I've been able to break up my healing into four pillars uh, that, that I think are, are really crucial in any healing process. I mean, some people may, may be able to reach, you know, these higher altitudes, you know, and, and, and uh, full healing, um, focusing on, you know, one of these pillars or, or, or two or three, or, or maybe they, they have some different pillars that, 
that, um, I mean, as you pointed out earlier, we each have our own path. We, we each, there are different, you know, spokes on this wheel, um, toward the center. Um, and for me, um, the most essential categories of, of healing, um, were basically, um, gut healing, detoxification, trauma release and spiritual clearing. So, um, that, that again indicates that there are these different components, you know, um, like, like I said earlier, the, you know, the, the biological aspect of, of these conditions and then the, the more, you know, there's the psychological aspect and there's the, the, um, spiritual aspect. And I mean, yeah, a person may just go to talk therapy and, and be able to have a breakthrough and talk therapy and, and be able to, you know, achieve healing that way. I think if, if a person's able to, um, you know, eat well, as you pointed out earlier and, um, you know, discover a, a diet that really works for them and uh, if they're able to cleanse their body, you know, do some basic detoxification and um, and to have some psychological healing. And then, of course, uh, that, that would maybe relate to the trauma release I was talking about. Um, and, yeah. you know, and then have some form of spiritual clearing or um, connecting with higher guidance and, and being able to release some of those spiritual blockages I was talking about. I mean, those, those are the, the essential ingredients in my healing. Um, and, and of course, each of those ingredients like showed up at different stages in my journey. It's not like I just, you know, overnight was able to implement all of those things. It, it was, those came as a result of me like doing some really deep research you know, for years on end. I mean, this really was like my full-time job for a decade. I mean, I, I didn't really focus on much else through, through most of those years because I couldn't. I mean, this was like the most pressing thing. Every single day, every single hour, this was like, you know, pressing down on me, like, like just requiring me to devote myself to like this kind of study. So, yeah, I just kind of acted as my own guinea pig. Um, I think I, I became, I became more an expert in like the gut healing and the detoxification that I mentioned than anything else. Like that was my obsession for so long. I mean, I tried like over 30 different diets. <laughs> I mean, everything out there, you know, whatever the latest book was, the latest like, you know, craze or the latest, you know, thing I, I would, I would, try it out for several months and, and see how it, how it impacted my healing. And, um, yeah, so the, you know, the physiological side of, of this equation is really important and a lot of people miss it, you know, when they're trying to, like a lot of people in the, um, in this community of like, um, people who view these, conditions as being more spiritual in nature they they miss or they don't um i think spend enough time experimenting with different diets and seeing how that um, influences them the diet is huge and i mm -hmm. think that what you're speaking to kind of um just shows kind of the necessity to tailor your healing process and your tools to you right like it's mm -hmm. all again like completely mm -hmm. individual and each person is going to require different things very true. Although I think if you, if you take the four pillars that I mentioned and you apply them to anyone, chances are they're going to, they're going to, you know, recover a lot more easily. Like, um, but you're absolutely right. Everyone does need to listen to their own body and, and um, honor their own needs. Yeah. And I hear what you're saying too. Like you're bringing kind of like the, the physical, the spiritual, the mental, the, etheric like all the different like bodies um of in mm -hmm. of a being together and um developing tools for that that heal each part of that body or each body 
the whole, I should say, that completely makes sense. I mean, we are, we are the sum of our parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, that kind of leads into the next question, which is, um, so how are you building your bridge to the world now? Like, how are you, how is your healing journey led into what you're doing now in the world? Mm. Great questions. Thank you so much. I, I love to, to get to share this. I don't always get to, I don't always get into these topics when I discuss, you know, this sort of thing with people. So I look at, you know, this process as being initiatory. And as I mentioned earlier, like a psycho spiritual development type of process, meaning that it is, if if a person allows it to unfold in a, a natural way and if they're able to like temper it with the right treatment and the right tools and that sort of thing, I think it inevitably leads a person to these higher stages or these higher altitudes sort of, as I mentioned. And um, I think when they, they reach those higher altitudes, um, they necessarily become interested in, healing work in, in healing the planet, you know, once their own healing has, has begun, um, being completed. And of course we continue healing throughout our lives. You know, I, I, of course we we all will, we'll all continue to suffer traumas and and have to heal those traumas, little mini traumas, hopefully, um, versus big ones like the ones we experienced. But, um, it's kind of like the hero's journey where, you know, after a person has been successful, you know, vanquishing all their foes and, you know, completing their different tests, they then return to the world and share what they've learned. And um, that's what I'm doing now, which indicates that I'm in like the final stage of, of what Joseph Campbell called the hero's journey. I mean, that that's like, you're, you're home free at that point, you know? So like I'm thanking my lucky stars that I'm here versus in the initial stages, which are so grueling. I mean, like I'm not, I'm not in those. uh, I mean, once occasionally I'll experience a tiny little twinge of like the old paranoia that I had. And it just reminds me how, how blessed I am to be out of that. Um, and, it, and it actually, I'm, I'm kind of thankful when I experience that because it reminds me, um, it's easy to forget. It reminds me, you know, of the suffering that other people are in right now. And so it like, it, it causes me to double my efforts and, and, um, but yeah, so like having, you know, learned so much about this particular state of consciousness or this particular, um, path, I guess you could call it of, of what we call schizophrenia in the West. I mean, I decided eventually that it was time to completely rebrand the, the so-called disorder. So I decided to give it a new name, uh, sacred phrenia, which obviously introduces the, thank you so much. Yeah. So it, it introduces the spiritual aspect and just like makes that center stage, you know, and, and kind of just turns the whole paradigm on its head. So that's right. definitely the, yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing now is, um, basically spending all my time trying to figure out how to inject this, this new story, you know, right into the, the heart of mainstream America. <laughs> I don't yeah. think this is just for the, and the world for that matter. Um, but maybe starting with, well, actually I have some clients in, in Europe, but, um, like basically, um, yeah, the world has a need for this. And so, um, yeah, my, my goal is to take people who are really suffering and and teach them the things that I learned. And I'm not a medical doctor, you know, like I'm not practicing medicine, definitely far from it. But I, I I can certainly educate people regarding you know um, what they may want to pay attention to and what they might want to 
avoid and, and that sort of thing. So, Absolutely. um, and you are the, you are the expert on your own experience, right? As we all are. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you, you are an expert on anything that you've been through because you've been through it. So I think that that gives you some serious leverage in, in situations. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I bet you that a number of, of psychiatrists who haven't experienced this, you know, may, may get a little jealous of, of some of us who have, because like, you know, they, they learned this stuff from a book and you can't learn this stuff from a book. If you haven't lived it, it's like, you have no idea, you know? Yeah. Sorry. It is, um, deeply spiritual. Like I, I know exactly what you mean. And these, these kind of experiences that we have are so intimate and personal and, um, that's that's the stuff that I nece- not necessarily or won't be necessarily sharing publicly because that's not necessarily a part of my healing process. It's a part of what I went through that was like a part of my soul activation on some level, and mm-hmm. I didn't need. That's not the. Those aren't the pieces I needed to heal from. What I needed to heal from was my, my mind's response and not knowing what to do with all of it and you know, mm-hmm. like how it, it reverted into paranoia and that sort of thing. Um, if I live, you know, in a jungle somewhere alone or with like a small community or tribe, hopefully I would have like a small community or tribe with me. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, those symptoms might not show up as paranoia because it's so indicative of kind of like the society in which we live today, I think. Mm. Um, and I, I can mm. see that you, you having experienced paranoia, you know what I'm talking about, but um, I guess it's a little mm-hmm. bit of a tangent, but you know, no, it's, no. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's also related to the society in which we live and how we respond to things and what we, what fear means to us and what fear is and all of these things. So. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I like that you related it back to society. Um, certainly is, a huge part of of why we experience these breakdowns in the first place and the the particular flavor that they have, you know, and then um again, like the goal is to be able to heal society as a result of what we've learned to be able to 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 go back into society and say, "Hey, you guys, and we might not be doing things quite the right way." Yeah, um, don't go down know. that road. There's not, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit more about Sacred Frenia, like um, exactly kind of what you do on like the day-to-day, how you're helping people, because I know you're helping a lot of people, mm-hmm. but I'm curious about kind of like what Sacred Frenia, maybe a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So Sacred Frenia was, was born when I, again, when I realized that, you know, the the Western drug-based disease model just is not cutting it. And um, we need a, a new model. We need like a living, breathing model that's, you know, really informed by the experience of, of um, experiencers. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, starting with myself, I mean, I have learned some really um, crucial pieces of information that, that can uh, make all the difference in a person's um, recovery process. And so uh, I'm simply educating people. I am a coach. Um, I'm a, I call myself a mental health metamorphosis coach. So I have a four-month coaching program, and um, I have, you know, about four clients at this point. So this is still, you know, um, a relatively new business. It officially launched in um, August of last year. And I really only take people on board who are like extremely committed to their own development and are, are like willing to do what it takes and are, are, you know, um, excited to kind of like enter a sort of like spiritual boot camp, <laughs> like, um, awesome. And, and so, yeah, I take them through each of those pillars I was mentioning earlier, the, the gut healing and the trauma release and the spiritual clearing and the detoxification. And um, I'm getting 
some great results so far, you know, and, and it's really exciting. Um, and awesome. uh, yeah, again, you know, I'm not a doctor, but, um, you know, it's, um, this sort of thing is, is needed in, in the modern world because we're, we're looking at some epidemics right now, you know, of, of, um, people suffering and, and not being able to, um, complete these, these initiations that the planet really needs. Yeah. Completely. completely. Um, is the program that you run, is it, um, designated for specifically people who have been diagnosed with schizophrenia or is it kind of run the gamut in terms of mental health situations? Yeah. So in these early stages, you know, definitely the, the branding and the, the, the modules that I have and everything, they are more specifically catered toward people with people who've been diagnosed with schizophrenia. I call it sacred phrenia. I, I try not to use the word schizophrenia if I can help it, or I put okay. schizophrenia okay. in quotation marks um, just because right, it's right. so stigma, stigmatizing. It's time for a new word, but um, yeah, yeah. But like, certainly if, if other people who've received other, you know, diagnoses apply a lot of this information, I, I'm, I'm sure that many of them would see transformation. Um, you know, it's, it's like, um, a, a lot of these labels are, are rather irrelevant to begin with, if you ask me, or they're, they're rather fluid, you know, so they might bleed into other labels and, you know, it kind of depends on what the weather is like and which doctor you see on the day that you go in, uh, you know, which, which label you end up receiving. Completely. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's very true. And at the end of the day, they are just labels, right? Like they don't define us. They're a way to identify ourselves a little bit. If we feel the need, if we relate to them, that's up to us though. Um, but they aren't a definition. They don't define who we are in our core. Right. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and it is, it is an online business. So, you know, it, you don't have to live near me in order to work with me. If somebody is interested, they should definitely contact me. And I, I like to do a one hour free uh, session with people. I call it an altitude assessment. So I help them determine which altitude they're at on this mountain that, that we're each climbing. Yeah. This mental health, this mountain of mental health metamorphosis, I call it. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, I love that. It is metamorphosis. It truly is like going from, you know, the egg to the caterpillar to the cocoon to the butterfly. To, like each stage is a whole process unto itself. And the, as with like the, the stage of the caterpillar to the butterfly, that life cycle, it kind of goes on and on and on, right? Like it's, it's never, we're always moving into something else. We're always moving into like a new chrysalis and yeah. coming out the other side and becoming something else and something else dies away. And yeah, mm -hmm. there's, I actually was going to mention earlier as you named kind of your label. Will you say that again? You're the mental health development coach, was it? Uh, mental health metamorphosis coach. Yeah. Of course. Mental health metamorphosis coach. That's so beautiful. Um, I was actually thinking last night because I'm in training to be an end of life doula and I was kind of thinking about um, the podcast, of course, because I've been thinking about that a lot recently. <laughs> um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, I was thinking about like my title as end of life doula, and I was thinking about how I introduced myself, and I kept thinking of the words. I was like messing it up in my head, but it wasn't actually messing it up because I kept saying to myself, "Mental health doula, mental health doula." And I was like, mm -hmm. "Wait a second! Like that's exactly kind of like what I'm doing, what I'm the role I'm stepping mm -hmm. into, because a doula." is the support, right? It's the support person. It's also a keeper, a holder of initiations, helping people move from one stage of being to another stage of being. And again, I'm not a, or I shouldn't say gang said that yet, but on this episode, but I'm not um, a doctor either. But at the same time, I'm an expert in my experience and I'm a person who's healed a lot of these experiences that I've had, the stigma I have around them. So I feel like I can really talk about them with people and help people move from a stigmatized place of being to an unstigmatized or less stigmatized, more accepting, self-accepting, um, 
healed, embodied place. So mental health doula is, I think, a role that I'm going to start really holding. Mm. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, that's so powerful. Uh, you know, you're really like facilitating rebirth, death, death and rebirth. Completely. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I, um, I went on a shamanic journey recently. I don't usually share the the details of, of journeys I go on like that, but cause they're, they're usually very sacred, but I think I'll just yeah. share that. Um, I encountered a, a tool that I'm apparently meant to use and this was made clear to me by by spirit and it was a a um a sith i believe it's called a sith which is like the you know the um the sharp tool that the grim reaper carries carries around oh wow uh, is it called a sith or is it a sky it's a sith yeah or a scythe maybe i don't know quite how you pronounce it but yeah it's the one okay. you use to, like cut cut crops it's got that curved blade on it and like at first it was like kind of a disturbing image to receive. You know, you want me to be the grim reaper? Like, is that what you're telling me? But I think the idea is that I'm meant to help people like move through their deaths so that they can experience those rebirths. Just as you're saying, like, like we're both doulas in that way. We're, we're like, we're, we're midwives and doulas or I'm a mid husband, I guess. (laughs) Um, that's really yeah. cool. I love that you shared that about the doula thing. Yeah, thank you for being someone I can share that with. And obviously more people are going to hear that now. But <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, I mean, I also think of like the... Oh, the, that's how you say it. I was thinking the, that, of course, a doula is one who assists someone during birth. I was thinking of a death doula, but yeah, anyway, that's what, it's yeah, the same no, thing. I, I am a, I'm a death doula in training. Um, okay. I, I named it an end-of-life doula because that's also what they're called at times. That's but, um, right. That's right. Yeah. I remember now. Yeah. Birth doulas are a little bit more well-known. Um, mm-hmm. And they, of course, assess the mama from um, being not a mama into motherhood. Um, so mm-hmm. that initiation and um, the child, of course, as well from whatever's before and like being in the womb mm-hmm. into life. So, um, yeah, it's an, another initiation. But mm-hmm. I was going to say with the tool that you found, like the fifth, if that's what it's called, and I'll have to look up the pronunciation. But um, it's also like this uh, sharp tool that cuts through illusion in a sense. Like I can see it doing that. Mm-hmm. I think it's like when I picture that, I can see it like kind of like, this discernment tool, like cutting through illusion. That's what really mm-hmm. what you're doing in your practice. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're seeing through the bullshit and you're saying no more. Like let's, let's wake up to what is actually happening in this world and happening within ourselves. Right. Wow. I love that. Oh my goodness. And that brings it full circle back to the, the original story I told about, you know, lacking discernment when I, when I first experienced my breakdown and not having that sift whatsoever, just being like mm. at the, just, just being unable to defend myself against some very, um, as I said, toxic like belief systems. Um, but okay. then, of, of course, in like in learning about the depths of experience like learning about the the different hell realms basically yeah you know there's yeah. there's really nothing nothing that can touch me at this point there's nothing that can touch you either i mean if, if we've really done the work it's like we're we're really at psychological peace no matter what right and i do relate to something you said earlier about how you have like moments of paranoia that will come back in like it's the same mm-hmm. for me and I recognize it's like neural pathways that I've traveled down so many times in my head now are very well traveled. And so mm. it's easy for me to jump back on them and be like, mm-hmm. you know, this is a story that's happening and like really latch onto it. It's very easy mm. for me, but the difference is now I'm able to stop and be like, I can witness it kind of, and I can see it from a distance and stop and, you know, say like, mm-hmm. that's not actually happening. Like that's not, mm-hmm. um, Right. 
maybe so, we're able to we're able to carve a little a little side trail off of that that main trail that we traveled for so long. We're able to connect it back to the to the the healthy trail that that we've been blazing more recently. Like we're just able to kind of shine more light on those those dark corners of our mind that that uh we spent so much time in yeah completely bringing a light into the dark places that's kind of how i think about um the doula work that i do or that i'm training to do um is it's kind of like bringing a light into something that's considered dark with the end of life doula and then also with being a mental health doula which i kind of just you know said that that's what i am Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what it is, right? It's like, and it's what you're doing too—is bringing a light into the dark places. And because we've we've been to the darkness, and it's been completely dark. Like we know what it is to excavate the dark places, and so now we have concocted kind of like what we need to create light for ourselves, and we bring that light back into the darkness mm-hmm. and um, have it there for people, for folks when when they're traversing the same place. Love it. Well, this is this has been such a joy to have you on this podcast, Jacob. I really appreciate mm. your call. Yeah, it was such a great way for us to to get to know each other a little more deeply. I mean, and and to, for for the audience to benefit from the you know from the um, conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It was an honor for me, really. I mean, I love what you're doing. I love the vision you have and um you know the the whole focus of of the podcast being like how these these challenges like relate to or take us to our deeper work. I think you really nailed it right there. And in fact, like the tagline of my my business is actually uh, we need you to bring forth your gift. So that's mm-hmm. like, and I chose that because that's the whole purpose of, of all of this. I mean, like our purpose is contained inside of our, our wound, inside of our suffering. And so um, I'm so happy that you're discovering that and, and that I'm discovering that. And so many other people are discovering that. And we're just going to, we're just going to grow this movement to the point where we're able to save the planet. <laughs> we're able to reverse the um the worst you know the worst trends that are taking place on the planet, including the environmental disasters and the economic disasters and everything else, the the cultural and sociological disasters. We're gonna we're going to activate as shamans and as healers and we're going to basically save the world. <laughs> That's Completely. my, I shouldn't even laugh about it. I mean, I'm serious. Yeah, no, it's happening. I'm with you completely. We're mm-hmm. in this together. And um, I guess I do have one last question. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll turn into two questions, but um, the, you kind of touched on this earlier. So the feeling that you believe that you do believe they're really, you know, inherently connected, but one of kind of like my visions for this podcast was to talk was to have folks talk about how they're working in either the spiritual realm or social justice or sustainability in science and environmental justice is kind of like the third category. So one of those three categories, but often folks are working and bridging all three together. And I'm wondering if you see kind of like the connection between the three and if so, um, kind of like how you're bridging them, if you are able to say. Hmm. So social justice, environmental justice, and then what was the third one? And spirituality is the third. And mm-hmm. this is kind of a little thing. I not a little thing. It's, I shouldn't say that because that minimizes it. It's um, it's kind of a a vision I had um about six months ago or so, and I wanted I wanted to start this collective of bridging kind of these three facets, like people working in these three facets and coming together. Mm-hmm to come up with answers for how to better move forward in society, how to better restructure society, but to how to envision together a better world ultimately mm-hmm. and create. Mm-hmm. So, um, wow. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you're really doing it with like the spiritual for sure. And you're bringing people together and 
ultimately and inevitably folks are who are involved in all three of the facets or just one, you know, everyone's an expert on at least one just from lived experience or what they've studied or whatnot, but from lived experience mm-hmm. alone, um, as an expert, at least in one of those categories for sure. So you're bringing mm-hmm. folks together who are doing all those things and helping them have a little bit, um, more confidence in what they're doing maybe. So. Yeah. I, I trust that many of these sacred phrenics have purposes that relate to each of these categories. So while my work may not directly focus on environmental justice, I see, I see the stewardship of the environment as being like a natural outgrowth of um, teaching people how to live in, in more in more balance and more alignment with with nature, uh, which is necessary for the healing process. And so, like in a way, I think that 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 um, the destruction we're seeing of the environment right now is is um, a, just a natural outgrowth of the the two previous categories being out of whack. So like, you know, because we live in an age of, of reason uh, versus intuition, you know, because we're obsessed with, you know, materialism and Cartesian physics, um, we, or Newtonian Cartesian, you know, physics, we are not going to be um, treating all people equally and we're not going to be um, allowing, you know, people to thrive in society. And therefore, like, of course, people are not going to take care of the environment. Um, so um, I think we have to, we have to address the, the spiritual cause of our current predicament, or, or we're not going to get anywhere. So um, if we get, get ourselves in spiritual alignment, I think everything else will just follow naturally. Um, but that right. would, to me, explain why we're in this um, this major d- dilemma right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but I still I, I do have a, a positive prognosis for humanity. I don't think that we're all gonna die. <laughs> I think you know many of us are gonna die, and, and there's definitely going to be a lot of uh, major chaos on the earth over the next you know few decades, but. Like, I think that, um, that kind of near death experience, like globally is necessary in order for us to achieve the next, um, stage of, of evolution. Like, like it's always been that way. Unfortunately, that's just how humanity operates and how nature operates is you have to come to the brink of death similar to, uh, our experiences, right? Like, like you have to come to the brink of insanity in order to achieve sanity or, or, um, higher consciousness. Yeah. Completely. It's like a macrocosmic break, a macrocosmic, um, break with reality. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like the microcosm of those. And we are just a part of the whole. So yeah, I would agree. That's exactly probably what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for this call and making time in your day to talk with me. Um, Yeah, it's been amazing. And I just want to ask real quick about, um, you kind of mentioned obviously what you're working on and what you do in your life, but um, is there anything you'd like to promote? Like a cause, a good cause, either that you're creating or that someone else's that you'd like to kind of elevate yeah i mean i think i think i will just you know plug sacred brenia again not to not to just toot my own horn too much but um my hope is that sacred brenia will be able to unify a number of different uh, movements that that have been taking place over the years but are a bit scattered right now and have lost a bit of steam um you know, there's there are all these pockets of people who are are trying to deliver this message, but um, none of these 
pockets are breaking into the mainstream. And so my goal is to really be able to do that. You know, we need like a, we need a, a, a centralizing, you know, figure or force. Um, so I, I hope to do that in a, in a non egoic sort of way. Um, but you know, um, I mean, if people are just looking for like a, an introduction to this whole philosophy that's outside of the, the sacred frenia movement, then, you know, they can of course watch like the documentary crazy wise. Um, they can, um, they can read a book called the spiritual gift of madness, which was one of the most impactful books I've ever read and, and helped uh, me understand that this is about a lot more than simply like, uh, relieving suffering. This is about like saving the planet, kind of like I was talking about earlier. It's it's a really big task that that we've been given, those of us with these these diagnoses. Um, it's far from what we've been told, and so. Um, but then you know, of course, I encourage people to just keep tabs on what I'm doing. There are a lot of really cool things in store for Sacred Frenia, and I'm going to be putting a lot of content out here in the near future. I was, I was a little bit dormant after, you know, the, the new year began. I wanted to kind of like, um, refine my strategy a little bit, but I, um, I want this to go big and, and, uh, and I want, um, other, other people who are, are doing the same work to, of course, also achieve success. I mean, we're all in this together. It's not like a competitive thing at all. Right. Um, but like, we have to seriously, we have to get moving here because what we're doing is not working. <laughs> Completely. Well, I hope to bring a voice to the movement that we're creating together um, as mm-hmm. well. And I hope to bring Absolutely. a little bit more of a public voice because with a podcast oh, yeah. like this, um, you know, I think that there's potential to really reach a lot of people. So Totally. Um, and I totally support what you're doing and I want to be involved in it and, and see you achieve great success and, and, um, we can lift each other up. Absolutely. Completely. Awesome. Teamwork makes the dream work. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Right. Well, thank you so much, Jacob. Yeah. Yeah. Alex, absolutely. It was such a pleasure and, uh, I look forward to talking to you soon and, um, blessings to you and your whole audience. Mental health affects us all. If you are feeling suicidal, please call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. The wound in one person can become the door through which everyone can find the center of life again. Michael Mead. Thank you to the city of Detroit where we record this podcast each week. To Ayla Nario for the use of her beautiful song, and to our listeners who may be struggling with mental health issues, may this podcast serve as a light in what can often be a very dark night. Catch you next time on the Bridge to Branches podcast.